This week, the Down and Nerdy Podcast is brought to you by Claritin D. And shout out to the folks at Claritin who not just sponsored the show, but also provided some samples as well. Tis the season to breathe pollen. Yeah, I've been spending a lot more time outside. Yeah, I can tell those allergies are definitely acting up. I feel stuffy. I feel sluggish. The eyes are starting to water a little bit more. That's why I'm turning to Claritin D. Look, it's definitely helped me relieve my symptoms. It seems to work really, really fast for me as well. It's designed for serious allergy sufferers. Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongestion in your nose so you can breathe better. And hey, I'm noticing a lot of that right now. As a matter of fact, I'm looking forward to be able to enjoy much more outdoor time this spring and summer. A lot of that has to do with Claritin D. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world. That ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Spanning the nerd world and feeding your fandom, it's time for the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Here's your host, James Witham. here trying to find that good work-life balance. It's episode 406 of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. I'm James Witham, and I know I say this from time to time. This is a huge episode of the show this week, starting off with interviews with the cast of Apple TV Severance, which has just premiered on Apple TV+. Plus. Adam Scott's going to join me, Patricia Arquette, and many other members of the cast to talk about this series, about basically where... There's a procedure that's done to these employees where they don't remember what their life is outside of work while they're at work and vice versa. Really, really cool concept for the show. So I'll talk to the cast about that and about the characters that they're going to be playing. Also, the cast of From from Epics going to join me this week. That show debuts on Sunday on Epics and Harold Perrineau going to be joining me to talk about the show. Also, Catalina Sandino Moreno and Ian Bailey talking about the show where basically if you show up in this town, you ain't getting out. And there's some really, really creepy stuff that happens at night there as well. So I'll talk to them about this spooky new series from Epics. A ton of reviews that I've got to get to this week. The Peacemaker finale, going to do that one with spoilers, so be prepared for that. New NBC show called The Endgame. I'll talk about that. The Cuphead show is out on Netflix. And speaking of Netflix, Stranger Things news. Yeah, got that too. So since there's plenty to get to, let's get started, shall we? The cast of Severance joins me next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is Jay Taylor from The Magicians, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Giving you work-life balance, whether you like it or not. Severance is premiering today on Apple TV+. Plus. Very interesting series about a corporation that's figured out a way to surgically divide your work and personal lives so you don't know who you are at the office when you leave and you don't know who you are outside the office when you get there. It's very, very cool concept for the show. And I got to actually talk to a bunch of members of the cast of the series 
to try and kind of get an idea of what we can expect from this first season. First up is Adam Scott, who plays Mark, has a big, big role in the show. Let's hear about it. Adam, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing, James? Doing really, really good, man. Really digging the show. How do you kind of balance these two different sides of your character? Because it's really cool. Thank you. Well, you know, it was really important to Ben and Dan, Dan Erickson, the creator, and and I that the character feel like two different sides of one person. It's the same guy. You know, with a role like this, it's tempting, you know, for an actor to like want to have a mustache, one of them to have a mustache and a limp or something. But we we were all interested in the subtle differences and the similarities between the two. It's it's almost like the mark on the outside has 40 odd years of life experience and sorrow and he's grieving and joy, all that life experience on his shoulders. The one inside is kind of clean of all that. He's for all intents and purposes, two and a half years old. But Physiologically, he has all of those feelings inside of him. He just doesn't know how to name them or place it or anything. So those two different circumstances create a lot of differences that can manifest itself physically or, you, you know, there are all, all, all sorts of different ways. So it was really fun sort of attacking that math problem of trying to the addition of sub, and subtraction of that. Absolutely. You mentioned Ben and you got to work with him again on this. What made him the perfect director for this project? I mean, I'm of the mind that Ben might be the perfect director for any project. I think he's one of our finest filmmakers. And I mean, Escape at Danamara is, is maybe my favorite show of the last decade or so. It's I think it's perfect. I've seen it <laughs> several times at this point. But for Severance, I feel like Ben is the perfect director because there's no one who has a, a better eye for detail and there's there's nothing about this world that hasn't been explored when you're watching the show every nook and cranny of this set of the story of uh, each character has been considered and turned over and reconsidered and because the the uh, mythology of this the lumen corporation runs pretty deep dan really created this whole history for this uh for this mysterious company and and ben really brought it to life with with the show itself and, and getting it up on its feet and we'll see it when severance premieres on apple tv plus on february the 18th adam scott thank you so much for taking the time man i appreciate it thanks james the ben we were referring to in that was actually ben stiller who's the director of the Severance series, who does a fantastic job, at least with the first couple of episodes that I saw anyway. Let's get to know some of the more corporate members of the Lumen Corporation, which is the corporation on the show. We'll talk to Patricia Arquette, who plays Peggy, and also going to talk to Trammell Tillman, who plays Milchick. Let's hear what their angle on their characters are. Hi. How is everybody? Good. Good. Is that our background you got back there? Is Actually, the it's not. Hallway? I got so lucky finding one that looked just like it. So <laughs> I, I, I would like to say that it was, but I got really lucky. <laughs> Looks good. So, so you're, both of your characters are, I would say, probably upper management is the best way to kind of describe them. So what kind of a boss would you say that they both are? I, I think that they, you know, there's something about this whole corporation where no one really ever knows where they stand exactly. You know, you think you're on good terms with someone and you think they like you, but then all of a sudden 
without even understanding how you've gone afoul of some rules somehow. So they're nice and charming, but they're also telling this line of this structure that you're never quite comfortable with. And then they themselves are also sometimes in trouble within this own structure. They also don't understand. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I think, especially with Milchek, he's the kind of boss that keeps you on your toes. You just never know where you stand with him. And I think that also uh, speaks to who he works with. He works for someone uh, who keeps <clears throat> him on his toes. You know, it's that whole trickle down effect. That's such a great yeah. way to describe it. Such a great way to describe it. Now we see in the trailer that Mark's getting a promotion. We do see that, but there's something seems a bit off still at the same time. So how much confidence would you say that Harmony and Milchik have in Mark early on? I mean, I think that they are hopeful about him. I think Harmony is watching for some other things besides what the corporation is. She's always working a little bit outside the box of the rules of the corporation with a love for Kira. Egan, um, I think she wants to make these breakthroughs and kind of show what she can really give to this corporation, um, which is beyond her scope of work. But she kind of breaks some rules because she feels at the end of the day, she will really be delivering something for the corporation. I would definitely say that we are hopeful. We're rooting for Mark, but I secretly think Milchek was hoping someone else would get promoted. <laughs> well we'll have to see how that all works out on february the 18th when severance hits apple tv plus patricia trammell thank you so much for joining me appreciate it thank thanks you. for having us thank you everyone finally the last up on my chat about severance from apple tv plus is zach cherry who plays dylan on the show We've got a very close relationship with mark and a couple of others on the series let's see what he thinks zach what's up buddy Hey James, I, I I love I love you. You're in the hallway at Lumen. Love it. I tried to take you right back there. I don't know if they're yeah. you out or not. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. So one of the things I really love about Dylan is that he he's just is definitely not afraid to say what he's thinking. So what's your favorite thing about him? I did I did love that, and I also love his. He has a, a huge opinion of himself. He's very confident and really believes that he is the best at essentially everything, which is very fun to play. No doubt about that. You guys have such an amazing cast on this show. What was it like working with everybody on the series? It was it was very cool. It was it was certainly a little, you know, nerve wracking. Like I, I think on the first day it was John Turturro and Chris Walken and Adam and Ben is there. And, you know, I'm also meeting everyone else for the first time. Um, but it 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 was a pleasure to work with all of them. It it, it I I learned a lot from everyone and you know, over the course of the season, we developed a, a good vibe. It, it was, it, it was very, uh, I was very appreciative to, to, to get to do it. So you were talking about the hallways just a second ago because of the, the background that I have. I feel like the office layout and the microdata refinement crew is a very unique one too. Did you feel like it was innovative? Is it a bit creepy? What did you think of it? It was very creepy, which helped a lot, you know, in, in the performance, but it's, it's this huge room and then four desks in the middle that take up about 2% of the space. I, I don't know how much you can see on camera, but the ceilings are really low. Like they're kind of just above your head and the lighting is off and there's this green carpet and the hallways are like a maze, literally to the point where some days trying to get to set, 
what used to be a doorway is now a wall and you'd have to like find a different way around. So it was a very like, in a, in a cool and helpful way, very unsettling place to be. No doubt about that. And there's a big shakeup in the department right at the beginning too. We see that in the trailer. So of course, not a spoiler. How does the addition of Helly really kind of kickstart things for the show? Helly changes a lot. She, you know, everyone, the other three employees in, in MDR have kind of been there for a little bit and they're kind of settled into their role. And Helly, Helly comes in and starts asking a lot of questions and starts not only asking questions, but, you know, trying to make change. So she, she kind of forces us all to, to think about, you know, our, you know, time when we were first new newborn innies or whatever, and really, you know, does shake things up quite a bit. I love that newborn innies. Well, you get to see the innies and maybe some of the outies as well when Severance premieres on Apple TV plus on February the 18th, Zach Cherry. Thank you so much, man, for the time. I appreciate it. Thank you. And I really do think that you're going to love this show. The way it is crafted, it's just so brilliantly done. And it raises the question of, you know, kind of a what would you do type of situation. And you get to see, and there's also the mystery of, you know, what's really going on at Lumen, that sort of thing. So, I mean, if you're not watching Severance on Apple TV Plus this weekend and every Friday from here on out, you're going to be sorry. This is one you're not going to want to miss. Because Severance is such a unique and well-acted show. I think you're really going to love this one. Again, thanks to the cast of Severance for joining me this week to talk about the new Apple TV Plus series. Up next, there's a boatload of reviews to get to. But first, I'm going to talk about From, the brand new series from Epix. We'll talk to the cast of that show next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is Brianne Howie from Fox's The Passage, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Listen for that bell and get inside quick because From is going to be premiering on Epics on Sunday. That is February the 20th. This show's from the creators of Lost. So it's something that's, if again, if you're a Lost fan, I think you're really going to dig this one as well. But I actually got to sit down with some of the stars of the show. We're talking about Harold Perrineau, who, of course, we remember him from Lost, Catalina Sandino Morenos, and, of course, Ian Bailey, who play a couple that is about to get quite the wake-up call from from their little family vacation. So here's my conversation with Harold, Catalina, and Ian about From, from Netflix. Harold, Catalina, Ian, how you guys doing? Good. How you doing, James? Doing very, very well, thank you. So it's, From's a very interesting show. We actually have a couple of mysteries at play here. I mean, the fact that you can't leave the town... And the fact that, you know, there's kind of creatures that come out at night and try to kill everybody. So how does a show like this, in all your opinions, kind of how how the secrets are revealed? How do you feel like the pacing is for that throughout the season? Well, something about pacing that I think is really terrific about this show is that scenes are allowed to breathe. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is no, you, you see in some TV ed- editing for almost for, for commercial breaks, for timing. And breath gets extracted from moments not in this there is as you've seen there is space to breathe and sit with something and in that sitting with something sometimes and just watching a character think the ten feel it crank up and this show gives space and the more space it has without going too far and being indulgent it it really helps the tension a lot 
and it makes it so when, when I watch the show, I, I love being in this in the world of it. And of course, that's strange because it's a terrible nightmarish world, but it's still nice to be in because it feels full and, and realized. Earlier today, we were talking with Jeff Pinker, who is our showrunner, and we only have this 10 episodes. And so, you know, that first episode comes out and it gives us a bunch of different things to, to follow, like a lot of different mysteries. And we actually don't have a long time to like let those play out. So pacing wise, I think I think we're right. I think we're right in there. Like yeah, it, it breathes, but we keep it keeps adding like another layer to that breath. Like <gasps> it just keeps you know going. Like your breath gets deeper and deeper. And I think I think pacing wise, you'll see as the series unfolds. Like I think you get a lot of stuff and all the way to the end where you, you almost can't breathe. <laughs> so. Tension is such a great word, such a great way to describe it too. Harold, I want to go back to you for a second because to me it feels like Boyd has this huge responsibility as sheriff in a very unique situation. So how much pressure would you say he's under and how do you think he deals with that? And you'll find out as the season goes on, he's under even more pressure than you think. And so like there's a, there is a lot of pressure and he deals with it really internally and by himself. Again, more that you'll see as, as it goes. Um, but he takes it seriously and is doing everything he can to figure a way out of this position. Uh, yeah, it's hard to talk about it because I can't say anything. But, oh, but I yeah, know. Trust see, me, I know. <laughs> way, way more pressure than you than you even think. So, yeah, I think he deals with it uh, alone and, and he just gets the job done. Put your head down, get the job done. There you go. There you go. Catalina, Ian, I mean, being adults trying to wrap your head around this new reality that that can't be easy for Jim and Tabitha, but then they also have children. So how much do you feel like that changed the fact that they have children changes the fact and how they're reacting and feeling in the moment? Well, I think as, as, as a mother, you just want to shield your children from everything, right? From any harm, from, you know, distressing moments. And I think that's kind of like the first few episodes, just like survival mode. We just want our children to be okay. We have no idea about, you know, they're talking about monsters. They don't understand. I mean, like, it's pretty out of this world that there there's town where monsters live. So I don't know how much they believe in that at the beginning. And little by little, you know, there's, there's the monsters comes in and out. But I think it's as I think my character as a mother is just trying to shield her children from, from any harm. Really quickly before I let everybody go here, there's certainly some trust issues at play here early on on both sides. So I'm going to ask I'm going to ask around the room here. How how much do the Matthews trust Boyd and vice versa early on, you think? Well, I think Boyd, I don't think I don't think he's worried about trusting them. Like I think he trusts that they'll be human and they'll be parents and they're going to act a little crazy when they figure this first whole thing out. And it's going to be his job to like get them to calm down, focus up while we get out of here. So I, I, I don't think he's worried about trusting them other than he trusts that, that they're not going to react well to where we are. Mm -hmm. Who to trust really is the question for, mm -hmm. for us. Uh, are, is, is everybody in on, on the thing or not? And, and, and it's, a, it's an interesting juxtaposition with Boyd because he, he shows up and he, he, helped, he helps us immensely. But there's also some, you know, we get into a physical altercation and anytime you get into a physical altercation with somebody, there's going to be some residual effects of mm -hmm. 
is this person somebody I can trust or are they, you know, uh, dangerous to our well-being, well-being? And it takes some time to figure that out. And I also think that helps the, t the, the tension of the story to question and to wonder uh, and, to, and to have that mistrust for a while until, you know, something maybe further on down the road really so solidifies that we're all in this together. Absolutely. And you guys will see it for yourselves on Epics when From premieres on Sunday, February the 20th. Catalina, Harold, Ian, thank you guys so much for the time. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. And you really see how creepy things can get in this show and what makes this show unique and separates itself from other similar shows in the kind of horror thriller genre is the best way that I could put it. And boy, let me tell you, when I, when I say there's a couple twists in this premiere episode, there are a couple of freaking twists. And I, I, I there's one in particular that I was not ready for. And, and I'm just saying, you, you're just going to need to get yourself ready for this one. But there's some amazing character work in this show as well. So make sure you're watching from on Epics. That's going to be happening on Sunday, February the 21st. Again, thanks to Herod, Harold Perrineau, Cat, Catalina, Sandino, Morenos, and Ian Bailey for joining me this week to talk about From. From Epics up next, we're going to be talking about the season one finale of Peacemaker. We'll do that next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Cast. Hey, this is Angelic Washington from DC Stargirl, and you're listening to Down and Nerdy Podcast. It's time to have a cow because the season one finale of Peacemaker has come and gone. And I was debating on whether or not I wanted to do this with spoilers. It's been about 24 hours. I think I am going to do this review with spoilers because it's going to allow me to talk about things a little bit more. And I'm going to kind of bounce around here a little bit. You know, I'm not going to hit on every single moment from the episode. But this finale really encompassed the entire season of Peacemaker. It had a little bit of everything. It had the humor. It had the drama. It had big emotional moments. It had big action. It just had that, you know, funky, fun team dynamic that this team really had throughout the entire season. And, you know, them ripping on each other. We got a re really great die beard callback and joke in this episode as well. It's just one of those things where it, it, this show never forgot what it was and that was a little bit of everything and it did a little bit of everything really really well you kind of figured what the outcome would be right you kind of figured that they would end up destroying the cow that they would end up winning the day and, and you know walk away from this unscathed well they didn't walk away from it unscathed and they didn't they almost didn't destroy the cow 
Goff makes that emotional plea to Peacemaker, making it seem like, okay, you know, our people were just coming to Earth to help you fix your planet because you're messing it up, and we're trying to help you save humanity. And it, it almost seemed like for a minute there that that's where this was going to go. And once again, you're going to see this epic turn by Peacemaker, like kind of like you saw in the Suicide Squad movie where you see him side with Waller. You almost figure he's going to do this inside with the butterflies and then he doesn't and of course Adebayo eventually ends up dealing the death blow whether she likes it or not to the cow and thus but but he doesn't kill Goff that's the other thing and that's what what was trying to get across what was trying to get across in this finale is that you know Adebayo was talking about how she sees Chris and sees how he's not a killer he's just he, he and he's a good guy and that really hits him and you know of course they had their friction about the whole diary situation and I love how that was sort of resolved towards the end there. And, you know, how hardcore it eventually comes around for the other members of the team as well. Everything just found a way to wrap itself up so, so beautifully. We got some really good vigilante moments. I still need that vigilante spinoff. I don't know if that's what the spinoff's going to be, the James Gunn's planning. But I, I'm, I, I need more vigilante in my life, okay? I, I just absolutely do. But there was not a single character on this team that I didn't like or that I thought wasn't useful at all. That's the funny thing is, uh, you know, like from Economos to Hardcourt to Adebayo, everybody had their place in this show. And I never found myself going, oh, you know what? I really wish we didn't have to go to, to this person's story. I'd really rather focus on this. There was always something that I was really happy that I was witnessing, whether it be with this finale or throughout the entire season. So a lot of big action, a lot of, you know, there's plenty of gore in this one as well, but not over, they don't ever do it though. I mean, there were certainly some overly violent moments in this show, especially in the finale, but it wasn't overdone, or at least I didn't think it was anyway. And that's the beauty of one of the things that James Gunn is able to do. And one of the reasons that I'm really happy that this show is going to get a second season on HBO Max is because these story, these character stories are still there to tell. We think that we're going to lose Hardcore, and we don't. We think we might lose Vigilante, and we don't. And now they're a team. And then once Adebayo outs her mother, outs Waller and Task Force X, I don't know if that means the end of the Suicide Squad movies, but boy, does that give us somewhere to go in Season 2, right? Because what is Waller's revenge going to be? And I think that that is really going to be the crux of what Season 2 of Peacemaker is is going to be about. You don't just out Amanda Waller. I don't care if that is her daughter. You don't just call out Amanda Waller and and just walk away from that. That, to me, is going to be super interesting. Will there be a task force sent after the task force? That, to me, is another really, really interesting part of this whole thing and who would be a part of that. So, And, and how far will this team go to save themselves and save Adebayo, for, for lack of a better way of putting it. Because, you know, when you're betrayed by your own family, sometimes that's worse than actually being betrayed by somebody else. So, And I want to talk about those cameos for a second. And again, this is a huge spoiler. It's been everywhere. If, you haven't been, if it hasn't been spoiled for you, I don't know how you were able to avoid it. And that is the Justice League movie cameos that were in this episode. First of all, I loved the line that John Cena delivers when Peacemaker's like, you guys, you know, paraphrasing, saying that they were too late to the party, the Justice League were, to kind of save the day and help out as he's carrying Hardcourt off of what is the battlefield 
right? I love that. And then they get, they have that hilarious back and forth between Jason Momoa and Ezra Miller as Aquaman and The Flash. And th- to me, that was one of the biggest moments of the episode, not just because of the cameos, but because of how well it was written and executed by everybody involved. But I know the chatter on social media has been, you know, where was Cyborg? And mostly where was Cyborg? Obviously, Batman was visibly absent as well. But a lot of the talk was, where was Cyborg? And here comes the vast conspiracies that come out and everything. And you have to realize something. It's not like James Gunn just has carte blanche to use whoever he wants. I realize it seems that way, but studios still have a say in who gets put in this and who doesn't. He even told Variety when he was talked to, when he was doing an interview after the finale, he's like, "Look, I'm not sure I can tell you why they weren't there because it might deal with some future stuff." And is that Snyderverse stuff? I don't know. There could be a really, really good reason that they weren't there other than the obvious let's go get everyone reason that that, that you might think it is. It, it might not be as nefarious as you think. It, maybe it is as nefarious as you think. Maybe there's part of that. Now, obviously, he wouldn't be able to comment on that either if he even knows that that's the reason. But here, and, and here's, the whole, here's the whole thing. It all boils down to it's not like he was going to be able to use everybody no matter what, you don't see Wonder Woman. You just see the silhouette. You don't really see Superman. You just see the silhouette. And again, I realize there's no Superman actor, but you can use Superman. Well, yeah, it's a, Superman doesn't exist just because there isn't doesn't stop existing because an act, the actor that's playing isn't necessarily playing him anymore. Can we just throw out that out there as a possibility and just and just let that be known? But if there were any couple of characters that could be off-world or elsewhere or busy of the Justice League based on the Snyder Cut, wouldn't it be Batman and Cyborg? Think about that for a second. Really wrap your head around that and find out why they might not be the one they might be the ones that didn't show up at all. So just just consider that before you go down the conspiracy theory route. And I'm not saying that you're wrong about that. I'm just saying that can can we consider other possibilities other than and, and I'm sure and quite frankly, to play devil's advocate, I don't think that Warner Brothers in any capacity was ready to open open arms and welcome Ray Fisher back and vice versa. I'm not sure Ray Fisher would have wanted to come back and do anything with with Warner Brothers either right now, given the way that tension has gone. So that one almost seems understandable on both fronts, not just Warner Brothers, but on Ray Fisher's as well. So but that that that's really the chatter that's that's you're we're getting lost to the fact that this was a really great finale for a peacemaker. There's a lot that you can do in season two. And this just opens up a world of possibilities for DC. And this is a huge, huge hit. I expected this to be good. I expected it to be successful. I didn't expect it to be this good and this successful. So congratulations to everyone involved in Peacemaker. Really, really looking forward to the second season and anything that might spin off of this, I think is going to be gold. So I'm all here for that. That's going to do it for my spoiler field review of the season one finale of Peacemaker. Up next, how about we head to NBC, a brand new show called The Endgame. I'll give you my spoiler free review of that pilot next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is Audrey Spotify from Blindspot on NBC, and you are listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Who is the queen and how far will she go? The Endgame is about to premiere on NBC on Monday, February the 21st. I want to give you a spoiler-free review 
of that premiere episode that's going to be coming up. And if you're not familiar with this show, it's basically centered around a character by the name of, of Elena Fedorova, who's played Miranda Bacar- played by Miranda Bakarin. And she is basically this crime overlord boss lady. She's got her own private army. She's got all of these connections. She's wanted on several federal charges. And they bring her in. That's not a spoiler. That's in the trailer. And while she is in custody, she orchestrates some really elaborate stuff to try and get the attention of these federal agencies that have her captive. Now, if you love Blacklist, if you love Blind Spot that was on NBC, this is one of those shows that's going to be right up your alley, too, because it certainly, you know, gave me those vibes for sure. But one of the agents that is involved in this case is Val Fitzgerald, played by Ryan Michelle Bath. And I got to tell you, this, you want to talk about just a bulldog. That is Val Fitzgerald because there's a, she's very, very determined to get her answers. But she's got a lot going on right now in her life. And I'm not going to spoil what that is, but let's just say it's it would distract almost anybody. But she also has a history with Elena Fedorova. And you, they get into that in the episode as well. And for some reason, there's a chemistry between these two. I don't know exactly what it is or what's going on, but there's definitely a chemistry between the two of them. And that's something you'll see play out in this premiere episode as well. It's almost like a, again, like a blacklist type of situation where, you know, Red would say, I will only talk to this person sort of thing. And then that person deals with, well, she seemed to only really want to talk to Val and there has to be a reason for that. Speaking of blind spot, our boy Jordan Johnson Hins is from you recognize him from Blind Spot for sure. You'll see him in the end game as well as as another one of the agents, which was really, really cool actually. It's kind of the guy that has Val's back, and trust me, somebody needs to have Val's back at all times in this situation. But it's it's just very interesting to see what she's orchestrating. And why she's orchestrating it. And you get a little bit of Elena's backstory as well. And how that kind of shapes what's going on now. And there, there's some couple twists in this very first episode alone. So it's just very interesting. Is it, is it a bit procedural? Sure. Is it a bit, you know, I've seen this before. A little bit. But I will say that this one kind of feels different. It feels like this one could go in a bit of a different direction and there's a lot of twists here. I don't know how sustainable this series is as far as being able to make it past a few seasons. But, you know, is that necessarily the end of the world if they have a, a story that they want to tell over the course of, say, like, like two or three seasons? And they get there and they're done? No, I don't think there's any shame in that at all. Plus, Miranda Bakarin, I mean, if you get to see her do her thing, how bad is that? Right? And she is very, very good on this show and that's one of those characters you just want to peel the onion you want to know exactly how she why she's doing what she's doing and who's involved and how she knows what she knows too is some of the crazy part of this too so the end game on NBC definitely some I think that you should be watching it's going to be on Monday February the 21st 
on NBC. Let me know what you think. Tweet me at Dan and Nerdy757. Let me know what you think of the Endgame premiere because I dug it. It's just, I'm just a fan of that genre and shows like that anyway, so I dug it. I'm curious to see what you had to say. That's going to do it for my spoiler-free review of the Endgame from NBC. Up next, we're going to go to the Cuphead show, talk about the new Netflix animated series. I'm James Witham, and this is the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is Ray Chase, the voice of Noctis in Final Fantasy XV, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. One of the most visually striking and intensely frustrating games of the last several years, Cuphead has been taking players by storm since the beginning of time, even when the trailers were going out at E3 like 10 years ago. It seemed like, well, guess what? Now there is a Cuphead show on Netflix that you can watch, and I want to give you my spoiler-free review of that. I know it's already premiered, but I don't really want to dig too deep into spoilers. But basically, yeah, it follows your favorite Cuphead characters. You've got Cuphead, you've got Mugman, you've got the devil that's in there as well. And at first I thought this was a show that was going to be, you know, you know, have one central story. But really, this is an episodic type thing. And boy, does it feel like the Merry Melodies, Looney Tunes cartoons of old. It also has some old Mickey Mouse cartoon vibes in there as well. And your old school cartoon violence, if that's your thing, that is certainly in here in spades. I can tell you that right now. And I just the, the I love the way that you have Cuphead and Mugman kind of play off of each other. And they definitely have that brotherly-like relationship to themselves. And then, of course, you got King Dice that gets into the mix in one of the episodes as well. I got to give a shout-out, though, to Luke Millington Drake, who's the voice of the devil on this. And I, I, I will say this, is that as Kevin Smith would say, he really Tallulah's it up. At times, too. If you don't know what that means, Google it, kids. It, it makes sense. I promise. But the devil character is very, very fun in this show. And something that happens with Cuphead in an early episode that, I mean, I, eventually going to come back to haunt him. So there's really no, again, there's no main story in this thing. There's just a lot of episodic stuff that happens. Or at least I don't, I don't think that there's a main story. But the, it's just a fun fun animated series is it necessarily an adult animated series i don't know if i would go that far it certainly pushes the line between being adult and being for kids there's certainly i think parts of this that kids could enjoy again if you're there there's certainly some leveled up cartoon violence in this thing i was actually a little bit surprised because you don't really see a whole lot of that in the modern era outside of adult animation now so, but again, it's nothing over the top like gory or anything like that. And there's definitely some cartoon fun elements to this, no doubt about it. But there's some stuff that, that is that is to a level that I haven't seen in what could be considered children's entertainment in a long, long time. But the show just feels very, very unique. It feels like it, it definitely pays homage to the video game series that's come out without actually, you know, just ripping straight from the animated series. You've got the wise guy aspects of Cuphead and Mugman, which I really, really love. And this just, again, visually for me, if you are from, if you are of the age where you used to watch Looney Tunes cartoons on Saturday mornings 
and you just miss that old Mary Melody style of animation and, and just storytelling, this one's really, really, really going to be something for you. I think you'll really enjoy it. 12-minute episodes as well. So really, re- a really quick binge for this first season. And I think this is one we could certainly see multiple seasons of the Cuphead show now now streaming on Netflix. I think you're going to love it because I certainly did. It's going to do for my spoiler-free review of the Cuphead show up next. We've still got time for some nerd news, so let's dive into that on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Kevin Alejandro from YouTube. You're listening to Down and Nerdy Podcast. Things are about to get way more than upside down. It's time for nerd news. And Netflix dumped a whole host of Stranger Things news on us this week. And at first, this seemed like bad news, right? Because season four of Stranger Things, or Stranger Things 4, however you want to put it, is going to be coming out this year. But it's going to be split into two volumes. And at first, you're going, all right, here we go. They're going to drag this thing out. We're going to have to wait forever. We're going to get one volume to wait forever for the second. No, 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 no. That's not what's going to happen at all. And that was even to my surprise. The first volume is going to be dropping on May the 27th. The second volume dropping on July the 1st. So, all right. Intrigue. So, you're going to give me both volumes this year and within months of one another. That, to me, I was cool with that. I was also very, very surprised that that's how it was going to go as well. It also was revealed through four posters, which you can see down in nerdypodcast.com or at down in nerdy757 on social media, that we're going to have four locations that are really going to be centered on. It's going to be Hawkins Lab or Hawkins in general, California, the Creel House, and Russia. Now, remember the Creel House, that, that deals with Victor Creel and the guy from the 50s who murdered his family. Robert England is going to be playing uh, Victor Creel, who is the patriarch of that family and killed his family under mysterious circumstances. Then he ends up in this mental hospital. So that'll be a part of things as well. The house has been abandoned since the eighties. So that'll be a very intriguing place for them to visit. We also, you know, you've got Hopper who is in Russia in some capacity anyway. So, you know, is this going to be him in the gulag type of situation? You know, was there a time travel element involved here as well after what happened in season three, and there's a whole bunch of questions that need to be answered there. And of course, you've got the group that's in California and the group that still stayed in Hawkins as well, because the mystery in Hawkins isn't just over just because things are being spread out. So I actually really dig that they're giving us all these locations and I like that they're spreading it out because I, I feel like they'd be rushing things if they didn't. Right. It's going to be a six month time gap anyway. So you got to you got to kind of deal with that as well. But, you know, you're also having these kids that are, by the way, going to high school, too. Let's just not forget about the fact that we actually have characters that we care about in their regular everyday lives are also a thing, too. Let's let's not just throw that out completely because that would just be weird. Right. So that that's also something that needs to be considered. Also, the, the Duffers actually addressed the future of the series saying that it'll probably, well, not probably it's going to end with the fifth season, fifth, five seasons is going to be it. But then they kind of tease the possibility of there being more stories in the, in the world, which, you know, implies spinoffs and things like that. So I think we kind of figured that anyway, though, didn't we with the comics, the dark horse has been putting out and everything. I sort of figured there'd be spinoffs and there are certainly more stories to tell here. And I'm quite frankly, I'm fine with that. As long as they're good stories, 
you can spin off all you want. This this really is a, a franchise that could tell stories for years beyond its main story. I don't think that's crazy to say, but they definitely have to deliver on this first volume because they've, they've you know a lot of fans have been wavering a little bit about the recent episodes of Stranger Things. I've been enjoying it. Certainly, I think it was going to be hard to capture the magic of that first season regardless, but I actually think it's a really good thing that we're going to get a little bit more time for this thing to breathe and not rush through it all in one short season, and we're going to get two volumes of this thing. So May the 27th is the date that we're going to be circling on the calendar for the return of Stranger Things to Netflix. Got some more trailers to talk about this week, and I'm going to start with the boys, Diabolical, because we got the first full trailer for that. Of course, we had sort of like teaser trailers and stuff before that, but now we actually have the full trailer, and it teases all the different animation styles, which I really love. By the way, this will be hitting Prime Video on March the 4th, and there's a lot of different kind. You have the the American-style shorts that are going to be that are going to be paying homage to. You're also going to have an homage to the original Boys comics, which I think is really, really cool. Garth Ennis is actually going to be the writer of that one, which, of course, makes complete sense. You're also going to have some Saturday morning animation import kind of styles that that are going to be teased, some Korean drama horror homages as well. And there's just a lot of different styles here. You get to see Laser Baby, and I think that Laser Baby's Day Out is going to be one of the really, really fun shorts. It's going to be a part of this. You've also got a story where it seems like you can apply something to your face and you can turn your face into anybody you want. So the guy picks Homelander. And we we hear a different voice for Homelander, by the way, in one of these shorts, which is not a complete surprise. You'll also get Simon Pegg, who's going to be voicing Huey in one of these, which, I mean, that's the character that, that you know they designed Huey after Simon Pegg. Basically, there's no secret in that. Of course, he plays the dad in the live action series. So there's a lot here that that you can really, really be excited about. And this is just one of those things where you're going to have fun with it, right? I think that that's the thing that is getting lost in this whole thing. And yeah, it's based in the same world as the boys. And I'm sure that there's going to be some connective tissue there, but let's just have fun with this one, right? Let's not overthink it. Let's actually have some fun and enjoy these animated shorts and, and each one going to have their different style and different execution. I think that it's going to be a really, really neat thing that they're doing. And I love that we're, each thing is going to bring something different to the table. We're going to get black a little bit more Black Noir in this too, which I think is really cool. I didn't really, I haven't really gotten a ton of Black Noir up to this point. And maybe we'll get a little bit more about his story too as, as these shorts go. So March the 4th is the date you want to circle not too far from now. That's when the boys diabolical going to be hitting prime video chippendales rescue rangers is one that i was really really curious to see how they were going to do i thought this was going to be a series turns out they're actually going to do an original film for disney plus and this one's going to be coming out on may the 20th and i like the fact that this actually puts chip and dale as celebrities who were a part of the show chip and dale's rescue rangers and that was like a rise to fame for them. And now they're in modern-day Los Angeles. You've got Chip, who's just sort of kind of faded out of the limelight. He's an insurance salesman now. But then you've got Dale that works the nostalgic convention circuit. And he's got the CGI surgery, so he looks different from Chip now. And you've got the voice of John Mulaney, who's playing Chip. And Dale's going to be voiced by Andy Samberg. 
who's also going to be a part of the boys diabolical shorts, by the way, is one of the writers too. So a little bit of connection to Andy Samberg there, but what brings them back to you? And the, the, the group's kind of, you know, gone their separate ways since the show got canceled 30 years ago. And now one of the cast members, one of their friends goes missing. So Chip and Dale have to kind of repair that friendship and go find their friend and once again become the rescue rangers. And at first I, I was like, I wasn't sure. And then the more I watched the trailer, I was like, you know what? If you're going to do it and do it that differently, why not do it this way? Right? That seems to, that, that seems to be a workable formula for this thing. And is this going to be a one-off? Maybe, but this is also something that you could continue should you choose to. And, I mean, beyond the two names I just mentioned, mentioned you've got Kiki Lane, who's going to be a part of this, Will Arnett, Eric Bana, Dennis Haysbert, Keegan-Michael Key. I mean, this is a legit cast. Yeah, I didn't even mention Seth Rogen and J.K. Simmons yet either. So there's a lot of star power here that you could put on this Rescue Rangers movie. It's going to be coming to Disney Plus again on May the 20th. So, And again, this is another one of those things. Well, let, let's just have fun with it, right? If you're a fan of the original Chippendales Rescue Rangers and you're expecting some epic you know, revival of this series, and it's not a reboot, they even make a joke about that in the trailer about how nobody wants reboots. So if you're expecting this to be just like a continuation of what you saw before, I think you want to flush that idea in your mind immediately because that's not what we're going to get. What we're going to get is something a little bit different. Think more like the Alvin and the Chipmunks movies that they did, the live-action animation hybrid, which is what this is going to be. Think more along the lines of that than a continuation of the original animated series, and I think you'll you'll be a much happier person for that. And if this just isn't for you because of that, then that's fine, but I don't think you want to drag it down, as you know people tend to do, drag it down just because it wasn't the thing that you imagined it was going to be. Well, it looks like Chris Pratt had so much fun with Prime Video and Amazon Studios that he's back for another round, but this time on an Amazon Studios original series, The Terminalist. Now, if that name sounds familiar to you, yes, it is based on the best-selling novel, novel by Jack Carr. And yes, Chris Pratt is going to be playing James Reese, and his basically his entire platoon of Navy SEALs is ambushed during a covert mission, and he returns home to his family. You know, he's having a little bit of conflicting memories of the event and maybe, you know, how much he was accountable for what happened and things like that. And then, you know, things start to come to light a little bit more and there's some stuff maybe working against him. And that's sort of where the story kind of picks up and takes off. And we don't really have much on this yet. Just an image of Chris Pratt dragging somebody by the looks like by the neck out like bounty hunter style. So really don't know beyond that what's going to happen. But we've got Constance Wu that's going to be a part of this cast. Taylor Kitsch. And I don't know. Don't start with the whole Kitsch of Death thing. I'm, we're, we're not there yet. Okay? Let's let, let's let this thing actually come out first. Jai Courtney is another name you'll recognize. Little Monica Garrett, of course, you remember from Crisis on Infinite Earths as the monitor. Sean Gunn going to be a part of this as well. I mean, there's there's plenty of other cast members. You can go to downandnerdypodcast.com. To get the full list on that. But this thing's going to be coming out on July the 1st. But this is one of those things where you can flex if you're Amazon, right? Because there's a lot of big stars that are doing original series for streaming services now. And it's not just relegating themselves 
to movies. And I, th- I think you could put Chris Pratt on that level. Chris Pratt is a big freaking movie star who's now going to star in an original series for Prime Video. And quite frankly, that's a big deal. Like Jeremy Renner starring in Mayor of Kingstown. Or, you know, of course, him doing the Hawkeye series for Disney+. Plus. Big movie star, big freaking deal that he's doing a series instead of movies. So I think that that... that, that line between you know movies being so much bigger and better and more important than series is that gap is really starting to close a lot and i think the streaming wars have had a ton to do with that and quite frankly you know what that means for us better content and more of it more of that better content with big time actors and actresses involved so we win bottom line even if this series isn't the blockbuster that I that I want it to be, we still win as fans, as far as I'm concerned. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Again, thanks to the cast of Severance for joining me, also the cast members of From, from Epics. If you want more info on either one of those shows, you can go to downandnerdypodcast.com for that and many more nerd news elements and stuff there. You can also subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube as well because there's some cool videos sometimes Videos of the interviews that I do go up there on our YouTube channel. If you want to see the video, there can be some fun stuff that happens there that you might not hear on the podcast. Or, of course, you wouldn't see it either. Also, make sure you're following along on social media at Down and Nerdy 757 on Instagram and on Twitter and at Down and Nerdy on Facebook. Remember, you never have to apologize for being a nerd, so let your fan flag fly and be good to your fellow nerds. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.